Section 76 of The Toilers of the Sea by Victor Hugo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Chapter 2 Sea Breezes. Whence come they? From the incommensurable. For the spread of their wings they require the diameter of the ocean gulf. Their huge pinions need the indefinite space of solitudes. The Atlantic, the Pacific, those vast blue openings are what suits them. They render them somber. There they fly in flocks. Commander Page once saw seven water-spouts at one time on the high seas. There they were ferocious. They premeditated disasters. Their labor is the eternal rise and fall of the waves. What they can do no one knows. What they wish no man can say. They are the sphinxes of the abyss, and Gamma has their Oedipus. In that obscurity of the expanse ever moving they appear as cloud faces. He who perceives their livid features in that dispersion which is the horizon of the sea feels himself in the presence of irreducible force. One would say that human intelligence disquiets them and that they are resenting it. Intelligence is invincible, but the element is impregnable. What is to be done against the undiscernible? The breeze turns into a club, then becomes a breeze again. The winds combat by crushing, and defend themselves by vanishing. He who encounters them is driven to the use of artifices. Their varying assault, full of rebounds, confuses they have as much power of flight as of attack they are impalpable and tenacious how is one to conquer them the prow of the ship argo carved from an oak from the grove of dodona at once both prow and pilot was wont to speak with them they insulted that goddess prow christopher columbus on seeing them advancing toward the pinta mounted the poop and addressed to them the first verses of the gospel according to St. John. Surkoff defied them. "'Here's the gang,' he said. Napier fired cannon at them. They hold the dictatorship of chaos. They control chaos. What do they do with it? Something implacable. The den of the winds is more monstrous than the den of lions. What corpses beneath those bottomless depths!' The winds push on the great obscure and ghastly mass without pity. They commit deeds which resemble crimes. One knows not upon whom they cast the white fragments of foam which they tear away. What impious ferocity in shipwreck! What an affront to providence! They appear at times to be spitting into the face of God. They are the tyrants of the unknown regions. Luogi spaventosi, murmured the mariners of Venice, regions of terror. The quivering space submits to their deeds of violence. What takes place in those great deserted regions is inexpressible. Some equestrian shape seems to be galloping through the shadow. The air makes a noise like that of a forest. One sees nothing, but hears troops of cavalry. It is midday. All at once it changes into night. A tornado passes by. It is midnight. 
Suddenly it becomes day. The polar effluvium has been lighted. Whirlwinds passed in opposite directions, a sort of hideous dance, a trampling of scourges on the element. A too heavy cloud breaks in the middle and falls piecemeal into the sea. Other clouds, full of crimson, lighten and thunder, then grow lugubriously dark. The cloud, emptied of its thunder, turns black. It is an extinguished coal. Sacks of rain burst into fog. Yonder, where it rains, there is a fiery furnace. There a wave, from whence darts forth a flame. The white gleam of the sea beneath the downpour lights up surprising distances. One beholds thicknesses, wherein resemblances wander and grow deformed. Monstrous navels form hollows in the clouds. The vapors whirl, the waves spin, intoxicated naiads roll. As far as the eye can see, the massive and flaccid sea moves without displacement. All is livid. Desperate cries proceed from this pallor. In the depths of the inaccessible obscurity shiver great sheaves of gloom. At times there comes a paroxysm. The rumor becomes a tumult just as the wave becomes a surge. The horizon, a confused pile of billows, endless oscillation, murmurs in a constant bass. Sudden bursts of uproar break out there. One thinks that one hears hydras sneezing. Cold blasts come, then hot ones. The trepidation of the sea announces a terror which is all expectant. It is quietude anguish, profound terror of the waters. Suddenly the hurricane, like a beast, comes down to drink from the ocean, unprecedented suction. The water ascends towards the invisible mouth, a cupping-glass is formed, the tumor swells, it is the water-spout. The prester of the ancients, a stalactite above, a stalactite below, a double inverse whirling cone, one point balanced upon the other, the kiss of two mountains, a mountain of foam rising, a mountain of cloud descending, a terrible coition of the wave and the shadow. The water-spout, like the pillar of the Bible, is cloudy by day and luminous by night. In the presence of the water-spout the thunder holds its peace. It seems to be afraid of it. The vast commotion of solitudes has a gamut a formidable crescendo. The blow, the gust, the squall, the storm, the wild hurricane, the tempest, the water-spout, the seven chords of the lyre of the winds, the seven notes of the abyss. The sky is a breadth, the sea is a roundness. A breath passes, nothing remains of all this, all is fury and confusion. Such are these forbidding places. The winds rush, fly, swoop down, finish, begin again, soar, hiss, roar, laugh. Frantic, wanton, unbridled, taking their ease on the irascible wave. These howlings have a harmony. They make the whole sky sonorous. They blow into the cloud as into a trumpet, they put their mouths to space, 
and they sing in the infinite with all the mingled voices of clarions, conch shells, bugles, and trumpets, a sort of Promethean flourish. He who hears them is listening to Pan. The frightful thing about it is what they play. They have a colossal joy composed of shadow. They have a batu of vessels in the solitudes, without truce, day and night, at all seasons, at the tropics, as at the poles, sounding their distracting trumpet, they follow through the thickets of the clouds and the waves the great black hunt of shipwrecks. They are masters of the hounds. They amuse themselves. They make the waves. Their dogs bark at the rocks. They gather and disperse the clouds. They knead the suppleness of the immense water, as with millions of hands. The water is supple because it is incompressible. It glides away from under the effort. Borne down on one side, it escapes on the other. It is thus that the water becomes a wave. The wave is its liberty. End of chapter 2. Sea Breezes.